You are listening to Go Doc Yourself, your weekly documentary book club. Listen in while we two errands dissect our most recent documentary find. Sometimes weird, sometimes mainstream, but always entertaining. Grab a cup of coffee and let's clutch. Hi, and welcome to Go Doc Yourself. I am Erin McCart. And I'm Erin McCart. Hello, everyone. Welcome back for the beginning of October for Spooky Month. It's my favorite month of the year. I'm pretty pumped about it. Mm -hmm. Did I order a dress for our couple's costume that we're going to? (laughs) A fancy costume Halloween party on, what, the 27th, 28th? I did. I did. There was much discussion about it over Teams yesterday. (laughs) We're ready. We're ready. Listen, this is a gay Halloween party, so we've got to bring it because the costumes are going to be amazing, I'm sure of it. I think so. So that's the culmination of our spooky season here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're getting in the mood. Yeah. We'll post pictures. Don't you fret. Yeah. yeah. We will. We're good at this. What did we do? Last year, we were Aziraphale and, oh my God, what's the other angel? The demon's name. Shit, we're terrible. Crowley. 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 I was thinking, Al- I was like, come trying to come up with Alistair, but yeah, <laughs> from uh, Good Good Omens. Good Omens. Yeah. yeah, we did that last mm-hmm. year, and then we also did not for Halloween, but we did a Back to the Future thing. Uh, stint. We sure that did. Was pretty good. Mm-hmm. We won that contest. Mm-hmm. We did. We did. A little braggadocious for us today, but nonetheless, I think we've earned it. <laughs> Listen, we got this fancy dress thing down. We're on it. <laughs> Hundred percent. Okay. Well, keeping with spooky season since we just started this, our mm-hmm. first documentary of the month is Demon House. Dun dun dun. Recommended off a list we found somewhere of uh, the scariest documentaries, and lo and behold, we've already done some of them, so that was fun. But uh, yeah, so we picked a couple new gems, and mm-hmm. Demon House first on the list. Yep. This is done in 2019. It's an hour and 35 minutes long. It's available on Prime. Mm-hmm. And it's directed by Zach Baggins, who you might know from Ghost Adventures. Is that what it's called? Ghost Adventures. That's what I've got on okay. the Travel Channel. Mm-hmm. That seems like an odd thing to put on the Travel Channel, right? I mean, I mean, I guess there is dark tourism. I mean, we've kind of talked about that. A little mm-hmm. bit before so and we've talked about going to new orleans and doing ghost tours so i think there's there is a loose tie in there okay i'll give you this yeah. one this one thank you thank you that proved my case your honor <laughs> this opens with a bit of an ominous warning aaron look demons they'll get you even through the electronics so Mind yourself is basically what it says. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shit. Yep. Yep. Be wary. Yeah. So nice, nice setting of the scene. Mm -hmm. Also, it opens with Zach Baggins. He is a paranormal investigator. In the past 13 years, he's investigated over a thousand hauntings. He's one of the leading researchers on ghosts and demonology. Okay, that was self-proclaimed. He said that himself. And I'm like, how how many are there? Are there like two in your, like, the top or? 
Where's this list? Uh, there's a lot on the History Channel, too, so. It's still like a list. A list yeah. of demonologists, you know. Well, I think that sounds official. There's ology in the name, so it is a science. It's I mean, the way it works. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> also, this film is cursed. It's cursed. Mm-hmm. Took him three years to finish it. Mm-hmm. So, do with that what you will. Viewer beware. I mean, mm-hmm. if you've watched The mm-hmm. Ring, you can handle this. But otherwise... <laughs> it did remind me a lot of that. I had a couple <laughs> moments of like, is there a fly on my screen? <laughs> no. <laughs> I tell you when I was watching The Ring the first time I was home alone and my husband at the time worked like third shift and I'm home alone watching it and right as the phone rings the first time after watching the video the phone rings at my house it was like a landline I'm like scared the shit out of me I cursed him yeah. out so much Mm-mm. yeah yeah you need to re- retain your uh, reality when you're watching the scary movies yeah <laughs> okay so Zach lets us know that this starts in, I think he said the year was 2014. Is that That's right? That's what I've got. Because mm-hmm. at first I wrote down 2004, and then he starts talking. I'm like, well, that wasn't right. So <laughs> he has a dream that he meets a 12-foot goat person thing. And this goat person thing had smoke come out of his mouth, and it went into Zach in the dream. And he woke up and his like throat and lungs hurt. Like he knew this was serious. This was real stuff. Yeah. A bit out of context. I do like the way he's, he sets up the dream though. He's, he was like, I was a spirit. I was up with other spirits and I was showing them how you can move stuff with your mind. And I was <laughs> like, I saw that in ghost, the movie with the Swayze back in the mm-hmm. day. Um, but I liked how it was like, sort of an innocent fun dream and then it just took a real hard left turn into like spooky town so (laughs) yeah yeah and he does i mean this does all come together eventually but yeah yes yeah important to mention Mm -hmm. so the story kind of starts to unfold from this point um there is a press blitz whatever you want to call it about a suspected possession that's happening in our fair state a little to the north Mm-hmm. In Gary, Indiana. Mm-hmm. And the story has Zach curious. And so he happens to find the house where this possession supposedly took place. And he just buys the house sight unseen. Right. Well, I mean, he wasn't buying it to live there. So I get it. Right. Right. Still just struck me as odd. It was like, okay. So. Yeah. It seems like an extreme thing to do, granted. You mm-hmm. know, you'd think you would call and be like, hey, can we come check it out? But he bought it because, you know, he's flush with cash. Right. I'm like, not a structural inspection, not a roof look over, nothing. Like, we're not worried about the the retaining value in this demon house. Yeah. Maybe he got it for a steal. It's scary, Indiana. I'm guessing the real estate. I mean, yeah. That could be. That yeah. could be. Also, this within this was within a couple of weeks of the dream that he talked about. So he had the dream, and like a week later, he heard about this uh, possession, and then like mm-hmm. a week later, he bought. The and house. this is his business, I guess, is the other part of this. So what might seem really abrupt to us is just to go and buy a creepy ass house, sight unseen, is probably not that weird for him. 
Right. Because he needs access to it for the story. Correct. But they do then go, him and a film crew, like, arrive at the house, like, a week later, and they're ready to solve this shit, to figure it out. And according to him, you know, he wants to figure out the truth, whether it's real, whether he's going to debunk it. It's all about the truth, Aaron. I don't know if you got that. I did. I, I guess I'm glad I didn't watch any of Ghost Adventures before we saw this. Because maybe that would have swayed my, you know, the way I came into the show. Like, I really didn't know anything about any of this um, other than he was a host of a show that did this kind of stuff, right? He, he peppers in a lot of little tidbits along the way for you. Um, maybe to let you know that he's a big fucking deal. And maybe to, like, help influence your feelings about this. So he says he receives a text from a friend who's a medium. This guy's name is Chris Fleming, and he shows a text, which is difficult to fake, (laughs) saying that Zach should seriously steer clear of the house with the big goat guardian. He doesn't need to go. And uh, Zach was like, I'm a man. Don't tell me what to do. (laughs) Right? Right. Well, and and I like how throughout this, he's adamant that he's never told anyone about this dream. Right. Mm-hmm. So these people are making these comments without having heard about the dream. And all I could think of the boy watches is I don't think this man can keep anything to himself ever. <laughs> so I have a hard time believing that. <laughs> right. Right. So the possession revolves around the Ammons family. There's a mother named Latoya Ammons. She had three children living in this house and also her mother. So the grandmother lived there as well. And they have since obviously moved out of the house because Zach has bought it. I mean, they moved out before Zach bought it. But he's trying to find them and talk to them as well to get their experience, what happened. They have since moved to Indianapolis. Welcome, Ammon's family, although you've been here for a while now. And he figures out where they are. Based on a newsreel, which I feel is really stalkery. That's not a word, but you know what I mean. And they go to the house and they knock on the door. How'd that go over? Um, They do end up talking to a family member, um, but not necessarily the folks that were directly involved in the possession. Because they know that... Um, entities, spirits can hang on to you. They can glom on to you because they really like your perfume or whatever. And if you speak to somebody that's been in the house, it's possible those spirits could transfer to you and then they'd end up right where they started and that would be in their new digs. And they were not a fan of that. Mm-hmm. So speaking to the brother, he kind of lays the story out and with enough detail that you feel you know, he knows, he know he knows what's going on. Uh, but yeah, it is not necessarily a firsthand account. So we, we get some of this account. This is between, there's several people who are kind of telling us what happened. You have the brother, like we said, Kevin, I think is his name. We have the stories that have been told through news, through neighbors, through police, local police and to Gary, and also, uh, like some child protective services in that. Here's 
the story as it goes. In 2011, Latoya's family moves into this house in Gary, Indiana. And they start hearing like footsteps going up and down the stairs. Like they have a basement. This is an older house. So it's a creepy basement. It's not like a nice basement where you go downstairs and watch TV. It's a creepy basement, right? I've had a house with a creepy basement like this, like real narrow stairs. You can't move any furniture down there. It's horrible. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about, right? (laughs) Right. They would see shadowy figures kind of in the room. There were flies that swarmed, which I thought, well, maybe there was something dead underneath the house or something, but it was like in the middle of winter, they had flies swarming the porch. The Catholic church told them the house was haunted by spirits. And I feel like they're the experts on this. They should have ology at the end of that. A couple of clairvoyants claimed the house was home to over 200 demons. And I thought, well, that's a lot of demons. That's not a big house. That's a lot. And the children start having conversations about death with people who aren't there. So when they take the kids to the doctor, they're like, hey, there's some weird shit going on. The doctor's like, no, it's just uh, anxiety or delusions or I'm sure hysteria in the girl's case, right? (laughs) Probably. (laughs) But then at some point it gets much worse. All he says in this is on April 27, 2012, everything blew up, but then they switched to something else. And so he doesn't say what the actual event was that blew up then. I just find that weird. I have some beef with the editing too. Yeah. So I guess we'll get to that. But in the meantime, we talked to, we talked to Kevin but we also talked to Father Michael Maginot, who is the priest who did exorcisms on the family. I have a question. Do priests takes on takes on? That's not right. Do priests take on a new name when they're ordained, like nuns do? Because there are a lot of Father Michaels, aren't there? I feel like there are a lot of Father Michaels. I guess I'm unaware. I didn't ever really consider that. I just wasn't sure. I mean, you don't Mm -hmm. see any Father Chads or George, you know. (laughs) Sorry. Where's Father Carl at? I mean, (laughs) give me a Carl. There's probably a Carlos. Father Carlos would make sense. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So someone could let me know. I could Google Mm -hmm. it, but I'm not going to because I don't care that much. Right. Apparently, this cat performed multiple exorcisms on the family, which I thought multiple. Like, I've seen the exorcist, and apparently it's very difficult to get permission to do an exorcism. I thought they mentioned he did some rites for them and then finally gets permission to do a full-blown exorcism, which you do have to lobby for or whatever but yes there's definitely a point in just general history where the impression was exorcisms were very closely guarded and then it seems to take a turn at some point where they're just like giving them away with a tank of gas I don't understand it (laughs) Um, it's a very abrupt shift but I don't understand you know 
Did they go to Father Maginot because he was capable of doing exorcisms? Like he was just in the yellow pages or whatever? Or was he just the closest priest? I'm just curious. Uh, Yeah. And I believe only Catholics do exorcisms. You would think Lutherans would as well, because they're real close, those two. (laughs) Yeah. But I'm I'm unaware. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you'd have to find a Catholic church and maybe this was the nearest one. Maybe they were members. Uh, I mean, Gary's big city. It's not that they wouldn't have somebody there, but I just find it interesting. Those are the details that I would like to understand. Why this Mm -hmm. father? Right. I just think it's because he's willing to go on camera, but whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Well, yeah. And they, they said that he did small rights or minor rights. That's what they called it. Mm -hmm. Minor rights. I'm like, what, what are those? Are you just uh, like spritzing him with the holy water? Are you, what Mm -hmm. are you doing there? But they don't. Rubbing salt. Yes. Real good facial with that salt. (laughs) Exfoliate, exfoliate. Yeah. Maybe that's why I don't have demons because I exfoliate so well. I don't know. It's possible. Mm, Smooth skin, guys. Mm. Keeps the demons at bay. So we have an incident where the family calls 911. They try to take the boys to the emergency room. They do take the boys to the emergency room. There's two boys and a girl. Those are the kids. And I'm guessing this is the incident, right? Yeah, that's the way I understood it as well. Okay. So they're in, they have the the boys, I believe, in separate rooms. I don't know. One of the boys apparently, like, growled, charges the grandmother, walks up backwards onto the wall, and the grandmother and a CPS worker, as well as, I think, a psychiatrist saw this Mm -hmm. boy walk up the wall. And it was some Matrix style shit, right? So he like walks up backwards and like flips over and stuff and everybody's super weirded out. Right. And when asked what they did when they saw it, they're like, we left that fucking room. Yes. Self-preservation. I get that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Mm -mm. So I think that's the incident that made it like for reals. Like this isn't a Mm -hmm. joke. This mm-hmm. is for real to these people. So they're showing interviews. People come back into the house. Police officers come back into the house. One of them does an interview with Zach, but they also show movies of when like CPS and the cops came to the house after this hospital incident. So there's a lot mm-hmm. of footage of them walking through the house and mm-hmm. what they see or what they hear. And I have a real, real big issue when I watch ghost hunter stuff and they go back and listen to like, oh, I heard a sound and it said, Latoya, get out. And I'm like, it, it's just background noise. It didn't really say anything. But once you put that into someone's head, that's what they hear as well. You know what I mean? It's that power suggestion. I wrote down a word because um, I was curious what that psychological phenomenon was when it just sounds like garbage, but when they say Latoya run, then that is what you hear. Mm-hmm. And there is a word for it. Periidolia. Okay. So the, the most difficult word to say. Yeah. I think there are several different options. Like I'm, I was trying to find the one specifically for like 
the spoken word. It's kind of the same thing as like when I hear a song and I get the lyrics wrong and then that's all I can hear, mm-hmm. uh, which mm-hmm. is not uncommon uh, if you're a lyrics person. <laughs> but yeah, so they're kind of using some of those tricks to influence your brain into kind of going along with what they're saying. And as they go throughout this, they're talking about electronic voice phenomenon, which is like they just have a tape recorder and it records some garbage nonsense in the background. And then they're telling you what that sounds like. But they're always like, we we thought it might be whatever. And then they slow it down and break it down for you and, and kind of trying to influence you in that way. And I always find that really irritating. Yeah, those are the kinds of things that really bother me when I'm watching these, the, the suggestion of things that kind of puts it into your head. And mm-hmm. I feel like they force that, not just with EVP, but with a lot of things. So like, this is this. And I'm like, it's not. It's just calm down. Right. So they, they approach it from a place of objectivity. But if you, you have to take a couple steps back to get uh, away from being drawn into the story, right? It's not present. It's not presented in a way that's objective. So yeah, agreed. And so when the father is talking, the father being the Catholic priest, sorry, he actually said, "You basically want to aggravate the demon or abate it." And I'm like, "Abate it, please. Why would you aggravate it? What purpose does that serve?" Wouldn't that hurt the person being possessed? Maybe I don't know enough about it. I, I mean, th- I think that's always been the question about possession and what the purpose is. <laughs> I have some thoughts on that later, too. Right. What's the end goal for the demon here? Yeah. And how do we determine who's possessed is another one. It's got some historical problems. <laughs> well, Aaron, he put a crucifix on the toy's head. And she started convulsing. And when he took it off, she stopped. Do you think that's all he did? No, he continued to put that crucifix on her head and watch her suffer and pull it back off. And I'm like, once is enough. You don't need to keep right. doing that. The aversion to holy objects where I'm like, maybe she just doesn't like you pressing some shit on her head. I don't know. Yeah, maybe it's causing a migraine. <laughs> Indeed. While... The good father is doing the exorcism. You have three officers present who are digging in the basement. So the thing with the basement is it's poured concrete, except for one spot under the stairs, which is dirt. So weird. And I'm like, it's an old fucking house, right? You're lucky it's not all dirt. So they're digging under the stairs and they find objects. And the objects that they find are so rare in a house full of children, I I really am buying into what they're coming up with. Okay, so it's crappy old fingernail. A press-on <laughs> nail, yeah. Right. <laughs> Some socks. Mm-hmm. Which I'm like, finally, we know what happens to the dryer socks. They're going straight into the hell basement. Okay. <laughs> yeah. There's some women's panties, which are disturbing for a couple reasons, but whatevs. Mm-hmm. And then like, Maybe a tooth, which is the most problematic of all of them. Oh, I didn't hear that part. I heard a comb. Oh, maybe I made it up. Oh, a comb. Maybe it's a tooth comb. I don't know. <laughs> like a toothbrush. But it's a, a tooth comb. would be weird. <laughs> but they're like, 
the rest of the stuff, they're like, it's an altar. And I'm like, or things get dropped because these are open stairs and shit happens over time and it just gets covered up. What in the world? That's a leap of logic to me. Well, they also said they dug four feet down. I'm like, that's a lot of work. Yeah. They're digging to hell. Straight to hell. Right. And I agree with you. This is actually... I. When they show the footage of the house the whole time that you're in there, and I was like, yeah, that's not a bad little house. It's nice and spacious. Like, I understand why somebody would be like, ooh, I'm going to snap that up. But yeah, is it unpaved, unconcreted back there? Because when they did that, the stairs were already there, and it was just too big of a pain in the ass to get back underneath there. Could be. There's a lot of reasons that are (laughs) unexplored. Yeah, but we go straight to the straight to the one that fits our narrative. That's where we go. Yeah. Now, yeah. had they had they gone back there, dusted off a little bit and found these in like a specific pattern, it's weird and there can't, you know what I mean? There's a way they could be presented that would make it appear to be an altar, but the way it mm-hmm. was presented was we just found these things in the dirt as we dug. Okay. Right. 100%. And kind of while they're talking about this, there's one of the attendees is talking to Zach. This is Captain Charles Austin. And I find it really interesting because when they're having this interview, he's in the basement of the haunted house. And I'm like, how can you both be extremely freaked out about being in the house, however long ago this is, and okay with now coming back for a film crew? Like one of these two doesn't work for me Mm -hmm. how about some consistency right yeah there's a cps worker who apparently touched some fluid that happens to be on the blinds you see this a couple different times there's fluid on the blinds they wipe it off it comes back and then they're creeped out and at one point i guess this woman touched the fluid and then her hand turned really white she was a white woman who already had a white hand. And when they showed a picture, it didn't look any different to me. A hundred percent. I was like, that's the most <laughs> unconvincing of photos. Like you can see her pinky is kind of like, maybe she'd been sitting on it and it was a mm-hmm. little bit, or maybe it was just like closer to the camera and it just looked lighter. It was very unconvincing. Like I expected there to be like a line Mm -hmm. Where she was, like, completely bloodless on one half. But that's not what happened. No. That's not what happened. And the picture is just of a hand. Of someone's hand. But they show it several times. Because they're convinced that this is, like, she lost feeling in her hand. It was so white. It was horrible. Yeah. Because she touched the oily blinds. (laughs) Now, it's gross. Yes. I don't know what that oil was. Mm Mm-mm. But, uh, yeah, I like the fact, too, that they cleaned it up. So I don't know how they cleaned it up without touching some of it. And then they, like, set some weird trap to make sure nobody else was, like, going around the back stairs and, like, creeping up there and putting some olive oil on it. (laughs) Like, they put, like, a Q-tip in the door frame. And I'm like, (laughs) what? (laughs) I should laugh. I mean, that was to make sure no one went in because the Q-tip is so unnoticeable. This big ass white thing sticking out of the door that no one would notice it. That if they were to open the door and go in there, 
it would just be on the floor. But they're crack detectives, so that's what they did to prove that no one had gone in and the oil came back. A hundred percent. It was, it's just the anecdotal stuff that they talk about in here. And they like, I'm like, could just swab that and send it off for analysis. Like maybe just watch it. I don't know. They have all these cameras that couldn't they have. Yeah. Put a camera on it the whole time, right? They have cameras throughout this house. Well, this was I not at the I time know. of Zach yeah, coming in because obviously he would have had a solution to understand what phenomenon was happening right here. Okay. Zach does get the house inspected and they found black mold and asbestos, both of which could affect your behavior. I agree. So there is some good investigative work in here, right? I think it is. Uh, the best option to go and talk to the family to get a firsthand account of what it was because stuff gets skewed in the media, whatever, right? To talk to first, you know, firsthand accounts. I think it is smart to get the house inspected. He does talk a little bit about some other things that could be in effect here, right? So could be mental illness, right? Um, it's possible that, you know, folks don't have resources to get diagnosed and treated and whatever. And they just kind of make some assumptions here that the strange behavior is a, just a hop, skip and a jump from possession when it's more like maybe somebody's suffering from schizophrenia. I mean, yeah. Yeah. He does some good work. Right. So he also mentions like CO2 from a shitty furnace. Mm-hmm. Okay. He also considered mass hysteria, but he just says it. He doesn't really talk a lot about it. But I mean, I think we've all been around a group of kids who are convinced that light as a feather, stiff as a board is actually a thing. It's late at night. I've had a lot of sugar. Yes. <laughs> yes. Right. At least they didn't burn people at the stake in this case, but. Not yet. We might be getting mm-hmm. back there. You never know. Yeah. So one really interesting thing that happened is while Zach and the crew are at the house, they have a car kind of pull up outside and there's a woman and her three kids. And the woman says she used to live there like in the nineties with her mom and her brother. Mm -hmm. And he's like, Oh, do you want to come in? Do you want to check it out? And she's like, sure. So she comes in and he does ask her if she's heard about the things that have happened recently. And I can't remember Mm -hmm. if she said that she did know or didn't know. All I captured was that she said there were a few strange things that happened while she lived there. Right. So she had one particular friend who anytime that friend was left alone in the house, the friend would hear some footsteps, which, you know, that's evidently the beginnings of all things ghost related is, you know, one errant footstep and you're just whatever. So that was one thing. And then, She starts to elaborate a little bit after that. Like she had some really bad dreams. She had some uh, like almost a premonition that somebody close to her was going to die. And then her brother that lived in the basement, one of the bedrooms or the bedroom in the basement was shot and killed. So she felt like that was a fulfilled prophecy. Right. So um, it was funny how she seemed to be like, maybe a couple things to like some serious shit in a matter of moments. And that was interesting to me. Right. 
And I will say that that basement didn't look like it had any windows. So that bedroom was not livable space. Should not have been there. Maybe didn't have any fresh air. And then also he was shot, which is horrible. But again, it's Gary, Indiana, who for a while, I think in the 90s, had like the highest murder per capita in the country. So, yeah, it's pretty bad. It was pretty bad. I think it's getting better. I'm not sure. But it was really bad for a while. So anytime I hear them talk about, well, so-and-so got shot or so-and-so, you know, was mugged or whatever. And I'm like, it's, let's take that into account, shall we? It's not this house. It's the town. Right. Statistically, maybe that's not, unfortunately, that uncommon of an occurrence. But of course, this is all in framing, right? So I do find it interesting that they do go into the basement, which is the heebie-jeebies part of the house. And Mika may have been kicked. And I love how they show like the frames where this supposedly happened. And you're like, I mean, I guess if I'm really looking hard for something, I see a stumble. But she could be awkward like me. (laughs) So, yeah. It's just, uh, it's a whole lot of stretching and reaching, in my opinion, to make things fit throughout. I will ever find it interesting that people who claim that they are, so she had some experiences in the house, right? She had bad dreams. She's got a bad association because her brother, you know, lived and then was shot and killed, not in the house, but around somewhere. Um, Her friend heard some weird footsteps. So there's some history to indicate that this might be an unpleasant place for her, but she walks right in. She is not plussed at all about going into that house. She's a little bit funny about going into the basement, but it's just weird. Yeah. Yeah. They start talking about how things happen to people after they get in the house. So they go to the house and then after they leave, things happen. So the CPS worker who touched the fluid Within 30 days of visiting the house, she had three broken ribs from jet skiing, third-degree burns from a motorcycle, a broken hand when she hit a table, I mean, calm down, ma'am, and a broken ankle from running. Again, exercising's bad for you. I think we've learned that. The home inspector that determined that there was black mold in that, after he returned home from the house, a tree nearly fell on his car while driving home. He felt choked by an unseen force while sleeping, sleep paralysis, Mm -hmm. and he developed cancer soon after. Correlation does not equal causation. I will say that a (laughs) hundred times throughout this, correlation does not equal causation. Right. Yeah, I can imagine that those are scary things and you've, I mean, it's easy to make that leap, right? I think it's harder to look at the CPS worker, especially, and realize if you're in a jet ski, you might be injured. If you're in a motorcycle, you're going to be injured. Um, If you hit a table hard enough, I guess you'll hurt your hand. And lots of people get injured running. So I'm not saying, you know, but those are active things. So chances are higher that you will be injured instead of just sitting on your porch reading a book, which is my choice. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Also, I developed cancer and I've never been in that house. So <laughs> I'm saying the absence of being there is really what caused my cancer. I'm right. Just saying. Mm-hmm. Right. 
100%. So there are some interesting things that do happen, kind of what you said. It's not, yeah, it's just not in sequence, right? It's It jumps around a little bit. So there's a point in time where Zach gets a call from somebody who says, somebody's trying to break into your house. He comes back. He talks to the cops who respond, right? And they're all like, this is the worst house ever. There's like a huge police report on this. And, you know, it's just kind of building in some of those weird little connections. Like there is an impression in this community that there's a problem with this house. So I just find that those are interesting things to include. We get it. And if the house was so horrible, why would someone break in? And there were squatters in the house when he got there. Yes. That he had to get rid of. And they were like, it's fine. We don't have a problem here. (laughs) So if you don't know about the issues going into it, apparently you're not affected by it. Super fun. (laughs) Well, let's talk a little bit about that. So they do have some moments of clarity. I don't know what else to call it that maybe indicate more along the lines that this is a hoax, right? So think about Amityville. Hold on. Let me try that again. Amityville. So that was a big story. It was very, very famous Um, movie books or book movies, one of those combinations. And eventually it was more or less determined that that was a hoax. Right. So same thing here. There are some newspaper articles with um, the mom, like Rosa of the Ammons family, or maybe the other mother-in-law. Anyway, somebody close to the family who went on a record in the newspaper and said, no, there was none of this. And the family's all pissed about it because it's bringing bad street cred to the rest of them. I'm not really sure. So there were some things like that that indicated more along the lines of this was a bit of a money grab. Same thing with Father Maginot. He was pointed out as giving rights only to the documentary to Zach. And then there were some movie rights he was involved with. And Mm -hmm. that may indicate a little bit more on the, I don't know, fake part of this. I don't know. It's, it's just introducing doubt in my opinion. Right, right. When the family wasn't willing to talk with the documentarians, and I understand the logic, I guess, but they were willing Mm -hmm. to talk to Hollywood who wanted to buy the story. There you go. You know, and and pay for it. That's, I guess, different. So, yeah. It's, It's getting to the part in the movie, though, where we're up to date. We're not really flashing back a whole lot. And now we're just showing this is what happened during the investigation, right? Because mm-hmm. he talks about the beginning, this nearly killed us all, made a big deal about it. <laughs> okay. And so it starts with, on the 20th of February, 2014, just two days after visiting the house, Mika, who was the woman who had come in and said that she had lived there as a teen, calls Zach and tells him that her daughter, who was there, had attempted to commit suicide by overdosing on medication and stabbing herself. And this is horrible. I am thankful that she did not succeed. She was able to get to hospital and she was taken care of. But when they 
ask, you know, when they talked to the people around her, she wasn't behaving like she normally would. She was behaving very erratically. She wasn't herself. She doesn't really remember much about it. She remembers she had a fight with her mom. She doesn't remember why she was so angry. She knows she felt really angry, but she doesn't know why. She doesn't, I don't believe she remembers when she actually tried to end her life. And so, you know, they take her after she is better to to the church with the good father. And he apparently does an exorcism right there. It was very anticlimactic. Again, they don't call it an exorcism per se, but that is the implication, right? She's in the sanctuary. He's doing basically like a service. And he's reading from a book called The Great Exorcism or some shit like that. It's very dramatic. Yeah. But the service itself is sort of like, and Jesus wept. Amen. It was very for the camera. I don't know how else to say it. It wasn't, yeah. it wasn't the power of Christ compels you. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, we all know, is what would get a demon out. Well, they do make a weird plug for this great, uh, sorry, great exorcism book. And there's a blurb in it about young women and girls and the demon comes into them and basically gives them ennui and they want to die. And I'm like, a man wrote this book. Stop (laughs) it. Yes. Was her uterus wandering when this happened? Probably. Well, Within, I, I would say, a short period of time in this service, it's not like they were there for days. She didn't turn green or anything. She was sitting in a chair in the middle. They were all watching. And partway through, she just, her head slouches down. He's like, well, that's it. That's it. The spirit's gone. Okay. Did she fall asleep because she was so <laughs> bored? Probably. <laughs> it yeah. was so bad. Oh. And then everything's fine after that. She's fine. She's fine. She's fine. Mm-hmm. It also sounded like Ben Stein was doing the exorcism. <laughs> Didn't it? A little bit. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Another horrible, poss- not really a connection, but one of Zach's dear friends hears about Erica, who was the daughter of the attempted suicide. And she tries to make comment. <laughs> comment she tries to make contact with the demon remotely i mean this is before covid she was ahead of times doing shit remote work right so she makes a phone call i don't know a direct number i don't know if there was a text maybe some smoke signals i'm not sure what this entailed right they don't Explain the process, probably because they don't want you to get in trouble because everybody be trying to call demons remotely. Um, they can't put that knowledge out in the world. But this lady, her name is Debbie Constantino, and she's been the guest on his Ghost Adventures show many times with her husband, right? They have some kind of professional relationship there. So they do have an EVP recording suggesting that the voice says something's wrong and I'm like okay 
Like, that's not news. Thanks. Unhelpful <laughs> fucking demons. Everything's wrong. Yeah. So, it's so much. So then he kind of goes on this tirade. Not necessarily, but he gives you this information and it's so weird. So Debbie and her roommate were murdered by her husband, who then killed himself a matter of months after this contact. And immediately I'm like, why does she have a roommate? So it turns out they were separated because I have the internet and I went and looked it up. (laughs) So they were estranged. She actually lived with two roommates. And when he came and he barricaded them in the house, I'm not laughing at the story. I'm laughing (laughs) at my dogs. dogs. Sorry. (laughs) Right. Okay. So she lived with two roommates. Uh, The husband came over and like basically held them captive. The police got there. It was a bit of a hostage situation. And they finally broke the door down after they heard gunshots. And he killed the two of them, um, Debbie and the unnamed roommate that I found. I mean, I didn't see what his name was. And then the husband himself also took his life. Now, what I want to say about this, it, it is true but there was a history of abuse in that relationship. So it's very hard, I think, to make the connection that the only factor that caused a shift here was demon telephone call. So there you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is tragic that happened. It's horrible. Mm-hmm. But I think he should not have even brought it up in this documentary. Leave it out. It has nothing to do with this. Stop it. Stop using someone else's tragedy for your gain is what it felt like. I agree. It was sensationalized. Um, I mean, he does appear to have cared about this person. They had some cute little, you know, pictures and stuff. I mean, you know, cool, but it's, it's a stretch. We do hear from a neighbor who said that five people died while living in the house. It's an old house. Shit happens. I mean, I feel like most old houses have several deaths in them. Well, there were several people that several people died in some of the houses on um, Salton Sea, but I don't see anything common. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One of the deaths was a little boy who died in the back bedroom downstairs in the basement Again, why would I do that's a fire hazard to let someone sleep and live in a room with no windows. That's not okay. Yeah, no egress. Yeah, I guess. Apparently, this neighbor had all the tea because he was talking about Latoya's ex boyfriend who might have been abusive. There's no proof of this. He's just talking shit right now. Mm -hmm. And so, of course, now Zach wants to know if he's the one who put the altar under the stairs. This is not New Orleans. This is Gary, Indiana. <laughs> Get calmed down. Right. But he, he's going he's gonna to contact the black magic user and see what's up. To which mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. guy was like, I'm not talking to you. That was the end of it. Right. It wasn't anything other than they found him by some kind of super secret surveillance. And I was like, that is a little creepy. Yeah. He's a stalker. Like, big time. Can we also talk about the fact that at this point, Zach is trying to educate us on what influences demonic activity? Poverty. 
violence, high crime rates, certainly Moira, which makes Gary a great spot for them demons. So he does say that Gary has a third of its residents under the poverty line, which should shock no one. There are places that it's really difficult to make a life for yourself. So I think that's probably common in Gary. And I also want to say that I wish he would have at this point as well um, talked about mental illness and how that again could be mistaken for some of these things. So like demonic possession, it's just, it's a big mess in my opinion. Yeah, but that doesn't help his story. So we can't talk about he that. He talks about some other like sobering things. So I think he gets really close again to some objectivity every once in a while, but then we just revert right back mm-hmm. and he's on camera lunging for somebody awkwardly or yeah. whatever the fuck. And I'm like, stop it. <laughs> the credits I saw for him, like on Wikipedia, uh, give him some, <laughs> like tag him as an actor. And I was like, absolutely not. <laughs> like, no, no. I mean, he could have played in Coven. I think he would have done well in that movie. Oh, Coven. That's right. I still need to watch that. I'm going to put that on my my uh, list for spooky season. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, to make sure this is legit, Zach brings in Dr. Barry Taft, who has a PhD in psychophysiology, mm-hmm. and he minored in biomedical engineering. Okay. So he took, what, two classes? Sweet. Well done. <laughs> He's conducted over 4,500 investigations, including the famed entity case in 1974. So he's there to check out the energies. That's right. The electromagnetic energy and the geomagnetic energy. Can these be causing false positives of paranormal events? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, they use the geomagnetometer. So that's the one that talks about the Earth's magnetic energy, the field. And anything over six or 700 nanotesla could cause disorientation. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I don't mean to snort. <laughs> he also talks about Hertz fields at some point in time. And I'm like, Hertz is a unit of measurement. Hertz fields is not a unit of measurement. That I can find anywhere. I had a hundred percent confidence that you would come in with the same thing, like, oh, I'm looking some shit up. So I can <laughs> like Yeah. Introducing some science, I think always brings a level of credibility to this. The problem is, is it the right science? Is the science that they're talking about um a credible? Is it like parasite like what do they call that pseudosciences pseudoscience yeah so would you like to know what i know about dr barry taft taft please tell me please taft so on linkedin he's listed as a parapsychologist which i was like oh my god he's like in ghostbusters (laughs) i love that you looked him up on linkedin who the fuck does that oh i sent him a friend request but i haven't heard back yet so (laughs) Interestingly, there's also a GoFundMe for Dr. Taft. 
for some of the for downstream all, stuff. Yeah, I was mm-hmm. going to say for all the medical bills. Yeah, yeah. So he discussed a lot of the calibration, and he does show some readings on one of those meters. But again, they don't like explain to me what the setup of this meter is and like what units it's in and some of that kind of stuff. And I appreciate the fact that they're showing me the meter, but they give me no indication of how it's calibrated or what I'm really seeing. So again, it's very close to being relevant here, but it doesn't make the mark for me. Agreed. It very much missed the mark. It was like, look, it's fluctuating. Oh, it hurts. And it's just all over the place. And like, is it like, is there a breeze? Is what's, what is this? What are we doing? But apparently just being in the basement makes him feel like he's like off. Zach feels off because he wants to hit him, but that could just be because he doesn't understand the hurts either. I'm not sure. But Zach is strong enough. He caught himself. He did not attack the good doctor. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's good because the doctor doesn't need any help with uh, feeling shitty after this. So it's good stuff. Well, he feels nauseous. So this is what he says. He says, I feel nauseous. Uh, I feel like I'm going to throw up. Okay. Department of Redundancy Department. And then he says, <laughs> reverse peristaltic action is very strong in there. Who the fuck says that shit about being nauseous. No. Sir, you lost every bit of credibility the minute that fucking phrase came out of your face. I'm done. I like the fact that Zach is the one who's giving off some weird energy in Milligoss. That's that unit. Because they wave the meter over him and it spiked. And I'm like, is there something in his pocket? What is this thing measuring? I don't know what a milligoss is. I guess I got bored and I didn't look that one up. But I do really love the fact that they catch him acting on his impulses. This is Zach and like lunging at the good doctor. And it's some shit I would expect to see like in a high school play. It's so bad. <laughs> it's so bad. <laughs> it's so bad. They, they record upstairs as well so that was on the basement the record upstairs when the uh reverse peristaltic action was strong and that's gonna be my new phrase by the way and then they see when they look back at the video they could see a shadow like a dark shadowy energy thing coming from the wall and they're they're like get a nasa i'm using quotey fingers you can't see a nasa film engineer to look at it and he's like we can't tell what it is it looks like a penis to me sir it looks like a shadow of a penis (laughs) yeah and he was like he said the thing that was on my mind and he was like it's not the cameraman's finger that's what it looks like out of the frame there's like a pointy thing uh, that kind of lunges out uh, and it's only in seven frames of like the billion frames that they captured this whole time Uh, But they're like, the density doesn't waver. So, you know, it's like a solid real thing. So, and they are using those like big shoulder cameras. So I don't know that you'd be like, have it on your shoulder and like reaching around and like putting your hand in the front. It's not like when I have my phone on record and I have my finger in the way. Right, right. So again, I appreciate that they tried to put some kind of you know, context to this, but I, it's also still for me a miss. 
Yeah. This is when things go awry for cameraman Adam. Mm-hmm. You could see in the film, like, footage, because, again, they have cameras throughout the house, and you can see him kind of acting weird, feeling weird. He goes into the basement and just lays down in the basement, which is weird. Um, They go back to the hotel where they're staying, and he says, like, his stomach hurts. He feels like something was, like, kicking him or hitting him in the stomach, and then he vomits blood. And, uh, okay, if someone vomits blood out of the blue, do you not take him to the hospital? They're like, well, he vomited blood. And then they just kept living. I, it just, this whole thing pissed me off. So then he starts acting weird. He starts screaming, causing a ruckus. Like other hotel people are calling security. Apparently he went into the, he went to go to the elevator. The doors open and he saw the goat man thing face. Mm-hmm. And he starts yelling at it and he starts talking shit to it and he starts kind of walking aggressively towards the the rest of the crew and again they're all there with their phones and cameras none of them have called the police or a hospital no one is like let's take care of them they're like let's capture this Mm -hmm. no he's got some real rowdy drunk energy for me yes you know what i mean like at one point he starts wearing his hat to the side and I was like, is that, is that what I should be looking for first? Like the I first indicator? That was the problem, right? <laughs> the, the hat was fucking up his brain. <laughs> it was just too tight. Yeah. Um, that hat band. But yeah, it just comes off really juvenile. So if indeed his personality has changed that abruptly, there should have been some different action taken in, instead of like sacrificing him for the good of the show. <laughs> Thank you. So, yeah. And after this incident, he apparently does not like come around and become himself again. He's still acting weird. And so Zach had no choice but to let him go. And I'm like, not help him, not try to solve the problem, fucking fire him. That's going to solve the problem. With hazard pay? I think Mm. they should negotiate that into their next contract. Word. He said that the other cameraman, who had been friends with him for years, tried to offer help, but Adam refused. I'm like, why wasn't the boss offering help? You're a horrible employer, Zach. Horrible. And I think that he would be, this is the cameraman, would be a little bit more valuable because a running theme throughout this is that Zach is losing people left and right for the things that they saw or, you know, circumstances like this. So I'm like, you're really running through the uh, production crews that are available to you. Maybe you should treat them a little bit better. Facts. We find out that the good doctor who was in the hotel as well was also having issues that night. Like he was not feeling well. I think he fainted. He heard things a short time later days, weeks, not sure, short time after returning home, his organs start failing, like all of them at the same time. And the doctors can't figure it out. Ugh. That was such great timing because it just, I remember, <laughs> I remember what we're doing and that it's just, <laughs> barely see his little face over there. <laughs> Lewis. Lewis. A weirdo. Maybe he's scared about the conversation. I, I know these dogs will not protect me from any ghosts that come into the house. So 
Yeah. Oh, shit. Okay. So, after he gets rid of Adam, who never really goes back to sweet Adam, he remains dark Adam. I don't know. <laughs> Zach's like, I have no choice, you guys, but to lock myself into this house. Okay? And by lock himself into this house, this is where the drama really comes in for me. He's boarded into the house. You can't just go into the house and, like, lock a couple doors. Why must you be boarded into the house? Thank you. Again, it's a fire hazard. You're boarding up all the windows and the doors. If there were a fire, you can't fucking get out. What is wrong with you? Secondly, yes, just go in by choice and fucking stay there. This is your choice to go in there. So the boarding up was just so dramatic. So, and they furnished the house before they boarded it up. Like, it wasn't like, here's a chair and a bed. It was like, we're going to put chairs and a, a TV, a tube TV at that, and a, a bed and some dressers and a weird, creepy doll. I saw that. And a table with, like, religious stuff on it because you can't have a proper haunting without some religious stuff. Uh, but that picture of the creepy doll, I was like, if that thing gets up and walks... <laughs> Right. Then we got it doesn't something. move, guys. I'm gonna spoil right. it for you right now. It does the, not move. The creepy doll is for real creepy. So this is reminds me that so this this is like an old school magician, right? Like watch me walk into the I don't know, old safe or whatever, and they're about to drop it into the water. Will I be able to escape? Mm-hmm. That's what it reminded me of. It's just complete theatrics showmanship. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. It is. And of course, he's got his a camera with him. There are cameras throughout the house. And he's sitting there and he's like, I just don't want to turn this light off. I'm like, then fucking don't. Lights don't seem to have an issue. It's not been <laughs> a deterrent. I too. <laughs> but he does because he's brave. And also, he's wearing the loudest pants ever. <laughs> They're like swishy snow pants. And he's just walking. He's like, whoosh, 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 everywhere he goes. <laughs> horrible that's that's intimidating okay it keeps the demons at bay (laughs) right so yeah he does hear a female voice maybe he hears a growl and then like a black blob comes out of the wall and he yells at it right yeah because he has night vision on forgot to say so these cameras have night vision so you can see or I don't know if mm-hmm. he's wearing night vision. He's like looking at it through the camera as it were, because if it were mm-hmm. just dark, you wouldn't see the blob. Right. You don't have that contrast. Right. But he starts this off saying that he's going to accelerate the situation and, you know, get in there and, you know, give this demon a real shot at him. But then as soon as the demon apparently comes out, he's like, you get back now. It's, I mean, he's not, like yelling Christian themes at him. He's just like, get away from me. And But you, you invited it kind of, right? Well, you made yourself available to it. And then when it makes itself available to you, that didn't go well at all. What was he wearing, Aaron? Did he ask for it? I mean, were those tan, those pants tight? Were they tight swishy snow pants? <laughs> Was he presenting a package? You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> right? Right? That ghost has been alone for a long time. He might have started to look real good. Mm-hmm. It 
it would take a long time away from everybody <laughs> for him to look real good. It's beside the point. I think it's his personality that we're just like, eh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Facts. So, yeah. Right. If he just sat there, shut up and look pretty, it might be okay. Right. Don't talk. Don't talk. I don't, I don't require any of your talking. <laughs> we're horrible people. We're absolutely it's okay horrible. though. And it might work out nicely for me because now he's going to have eye problems forever. <laughs> I'm not laughing at his eye problems. I, I can't see for shit. So I feel bad with anyone <laughs> with eye problems. I'm laughing at the statement. But yes. Right. After the dark mass appears to come out, he gets sure pain behind his eyes. And all my first thought was, do I need to ask my doctor if demons are the problem with my migraines? Because we haven't looked at that yet. That could be it. I mean, explore all avenues. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But uh, it, it was really bad. I mean, we saw a video. It looked really painful. Yeah. Uh, the next day, his eyes began to cross, resulting in double vision, and he developed a serious eye condition called diplopia. Diplopia. This doesn't sound serious. It sounds made up. It's essentially double vision. <laughs> I looked it up. I mean, foreigner said, fill my eyes <laughs> with that double vision. That's right. Mm -hmm. After multiple neurological tests, doctors are unable to determine the cause, and he is now forced to wear prism glasses. As his condition is permanent. Look, if you're going to be a superhero, you better have a good story, you mm. know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. a creation story, if you will. A Genesis. Yeah. 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 So it's good stuff. Mm -hmm. And he's just decided now that the house is just too powerful. It's too dangerous for the world. <laughs> so he has it demolished. Here's my question. If it was the soil under the house, then destroying the house <laughs> isn't getting rid of the demons and anything that gets built on that property will still have demons, right? I mean, I don't know. I'm not a demonologist. Um, I haven't gotten that certification online yet. But my question is, was that an insurance scam? I wouldn't have put that in the movie <laughs> if it was. Like, feels like you're selling on yourself. You're like, I am never going to sell this property. So... I'm going to have to destroy it, but he's a collector and a researcher. Uh -huh. And what does he do? Well, he has to keep tokens, much like serial killers. <laughs> so he kept some, he kept the stairs of all things and some soil, some like barrels of soil. So you don't, not concerned unit. about the collateral damage to the rest of the storage department. Like somebody's teddy bear next door is going to get haunted now <laughs> right. because you were irresponsible with your leftover demon house. Yeah. I mean, most of it went to a landfill. So <laughs> he thought about that. Yeah. Sounds great. Mm. Cool. 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 So despite the fact that they really tried to lay this out as something scary, I just found it entertaining, laughable. I couldn't wait to talk to my bestie about it and just rip it to shreds. <laughs> I know. I, I'm so bad about poking holes and stuff, whether it's fiction or whether it's not. And I know that people hate watching movies with me for this reason. Because I'm like, that's <laughs> yeah. fucking never going to happen. <laughs> so. 
well, like I said, okay, I I understand that there are associations that people have with things um, that they can't explain, whether they make sense to others or not. But I don't believe that people would go back into a house that they were scared of. I just don't believe it. I don't want to go camping where there are bears. And if somebody said, but I'll videotape you while we're out there, do you still want to go? And I would be like, I don't because that video camera is not going to keep me from being eaten. And I'm not that fast. So I don't buy it. Yeah. Agreed. It's all very dramatic and theatrical. And there was a lot of dramatic music as the subtitles said, eerie music playing. And that makes it seem more real, I guess, if you want it to be real. I believe that energy cannot be created or destroyed. So I believe that when you die, your energy goes somewhere, whether that becomes something that people can feel or see. I don't know. I don't know. I don't believe necessarily in demons and demon possession. I think it's creepy imagery. Like I think the ritual and the Catholic church and the religious, you know, icon stuff, like all of that is very creepy to me. So it makes for good storytelling. I don't blame the Ammonses if they're doing this for money grab. I hope they get paid a shit ton of money. I don't have a problem with that at all. And that's about all I can say about it. It was entertaining to watch. Go into it with your eyes open and mm-hmm. enjoy the ride, I guess. Yeah. I did tell a couple people to watch it just because I know that they also make fun <laughs> of Zach Baggins from the, the show sure. Ghost Adventures. I'm like, oh, you got to see this then. <laughs> I also thought it was interesting that they used a goat man, right? So that's Baphomet, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's the iconic, that's the imagery there. Mm-hmm. But I don't know that I necessarily get the feel that he's like a bad guy. I don't either. I actually have a stuffed baby Baphomet. He's adorable. Do so you? I don't see I, bet. Him, I don't see him as really menacing. Scary. Yes, menacing. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So again, I think that that's a choice, creative choice mm-hmm. there. So, oh. Yep. Watch it if you want, guys. Don't watch it if you want. It was entertaining and nothing more. Yeah. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So one down for spooky season. One down. Did you have an honorary errand for this week? I did. I picked Latoya because okay. she put up with some shit and then she got her family and got the fuck on out of there. And she's like, listen. I'm not dealing with this. I'm going to take my family, keep them safe. We're moving somewhere else. So I can appreciate that kind of energy of, and I understand like people be like, Oh, it's a haunted house. You should have got out sooner. People can't just up and move. People don't have money. Mm-hmm. It's easy to say and not easy to do. So she did the best she could. And as soon as she could get out, she did. So I appreciate that. Yeah. I think that's a lot of the backbone of why hauntings or possessions get so bad is because people can't fucking leave. So, yeah, I get it. Uh, My honorary Aaron this week was Dr. Taff. And I appreciate the fact that he tried to put logic, potentially, in an illogical situation. I think maybe it was editing that made it sound like it did. (laughs) I don't know. Hopefully I can ask him on LinkedIn. So I'll be like, hey, we just just reviewed something you were in. It it wasn't really favorable, but whatever. So (laughs) We thought you were entertaining as hell. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. And best of luck to him with his health condition. Yeah. I mean, I don't doubt that a lot of those things happened. It's just the, 
the causation, you the know, the correlation you're talking about. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. So, okay. What is pick number two for spooky season? All right. Let me take a deep breath. <laughs> On the trail of Bigfoot, colon, land of the missing. <laughs> By who? Uh, this is a Seth Breedlove jam and the small town monsters production company. And we have done one of their many choices, uh, one a year, <laughs> maybe more. I don't know. So we did Bray Road Beast, Beast of Bray Road. Doesn't really matter. That one, I think, was the very first one we did. The Mothman, one that lives in my baby heart forever. I love the Mothman. And now we're going to take a look at Bigfoot. So I've seen it. I'm so excited to talk about it. <laughs> I haven't seen it yet. That's on the schedule for tomorrow, but it's tradition that we have to do a Seth Breedlove movie every year in October. So, or something yeah. nearby. Yeah. Right on. Right on. So yeah. Um, this one, I really, I had a lot of fun with it, so it'll be good. Good. All right, guys, uh, come find us on the socials or on our website, com. Leave us messages, leave us suggestions, and mm-hmm. we will talk to you next week. Uh, I did want to mention one more thing before we go. Okay. I woke up on Wednesday after viewing this movie and I have a busted blood vessel in my eye, which can only be explained by watching this movie over electronics. Whoa. Ooh, viewer beware. Viewer beware. Right on. hmm Okay, that's it. <laughs> Best of luck to you watching this now. <laughs> Right on. Bye. Bye.